Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. All right. Let me call our attention one more time to the book of John chapter number 17. And once again this morning we will be reading verse number 1 down through verse number 5. Verse number 1 of chapter number 17 says this, These words spake Jesus, and lift up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Let's pray. Father, once again, we pray this morning that you would uh, illuminate your word. I pray that you would magnify yourself. Lord, help us through the preaching of the word of God to get a clearer picture of who you are. Get a clearer picture of what you did for us. And Lord, not only what you did for us, but what you did to us. Lord, we ask you this morning, may this scripture penetrate our hearts. May it cause us to contemplate the truths that we're going to see in your word this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would use that to help us to grow in the nurture of the Lord. May we grow in the truths that we find in your word. And Lord, in doing so, may that growth point people to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach along these lines this morning. The antidote to introspection. The antidote to introspection. Uh... I know that sounds like uh, $5 words, but uh, that introspection is nothing more than us looking inward to ourselves. And our antidote to that is what we are going to see in Scripture this morning. Not only that, we look to ourselves in salvation sometimes, but also that we look to ourselves in our daily walk. And we don't need to do that. Uh, there, we, we have an antidote for that. And that antidote in, in a name this morning is the Holy Spirit. That is what will draw our attention to where our attention should be drawn. Uh, we don't need to be looking at ourselves. We not, not necessarily do we need to be looking at each other. But we need to be looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, and we're going to see that in Scripture this morning, that is the office of the Holy Spirit. And that is His work. And we're going to uh, deal a good deal in the introduction. And then there's several things I want to give you that the Holy Spirit does in the scheme of salvation, in the plan of salvation uh, that is necessary in our lives. There can no doubt at all be but 
one besetting temptation that you and I have, and that is that we look at ourselves. That we, we think sometimes, well, we have obtained. Uh, Paul said, I've not yet apprehended for that which cause I've been apprehended. Paul said, I've not yet attained. He's not reached that point of perfection, nor has anyone else. And Paul even uh, went on to say when he said, I've not yet apprehended for that which cause I've been apprehended. That word apprehend means to grab hold of or to... Uh, to take hold of something. Paul said, I've not gotten a hold of why God got a hold of me. Amen. I've not yet understood why God got a hold of me. The, the only reality that you and I have as to the reason why God chose to save us is it was to His glory. It was definitely to our good, but most importantly, it was to God's glory that He chose to save us. Uh, As we look into the Word of God, and I know that many people, in light of what I've just said, in light of what I've talked about, us not looking inward, us not, uh, not looking so much at ourselves, there would be those that would stand outside of that statement and would tell you that there are many times in the Word of God that the Bible tells us and exhorts us to examine ourselves. And it does. That is a truth that we see in the Word of God, that we are to examine ourselves. We are to prove ourselves. But there is all the difference in the world in us doing that the right way and us doing it in an introspective way. We are, not to, we are not to examine ourselves to see us. We examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. We examine ourselves to see that we are in Christ. We examine ourselves not to see ourselves, but we examine ourselves to see Christ. Our examination should never lead us to seeing ourselves. It should never lead us to seeing ourselves in that we're doing better or we're not doing so good. It ought to lead us to our resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) You are an introspective when you spend the whole of your time looking at yourself, looking inward and being concerned only with yourselves. That's an introspective. The antidote to that, I would suggest as we look at this, the antidote to us not looking at ourselves is that we have a clear and precise understanding as to the entire plan of salvation that God planned. When you and I have a clearer understanding, that's the reason I believe God gave us this scripture, is to have a clearer understanding of the plan of salvation. To have a clearer understanding of who Develop the plan. And we've looked at that. And we're going to look at some more of that as we go, go through this introduction to this message. It's only that we remind ourselves of this plan, both of its various parts, and not only of its various parts, but the whole of the plan of salvation. It is good that you and I break that plan of salvation apart and we understand all the intricate workings of salvation. But it is also important that we understand that plan as a whole and we understand who devised that plan. I am prepared to go as far as uh, to say whatever I may feel at the moment, though I may feel that I am in a state of darkness or blackness, and I am utterly discouraged, my position is still safe. And I am secure because of the things that God planned in salvation. 
My salvation does not depend on how I feel. My salvation does not depend on how I act or react. My salvation depends solely and completely upon the planner of salvation. And I'm glad it's that way because there are days that I do not feel saved. And to be honest with you, some of those days that I do not feel saved, I probably live more like a saved person than the days that I feel like I'm saved. Why? Because I am more dependent upon Him on those days that I don't feel like I'm saved. So it's not our feelings, it's not our experience. If our position was entirely based on experience, then we wouldn't be able to convince anybody. Because they didn't necessarily experience what we experienced. I think that is a problem in a lot of churches is there is a lot of my experience that is being preached. And when that is being preached, there are those that are sitting hearing that preaching that has not experienced the same experience. And because they are preaching that experience over preaching Christ, people say, well, it didn't happen to me that way. And when they do that, then they begin to question whether or not they're saved. Why? Because there is a continual preaching on this experience or that experience or this happened this way or that happened that way and there's very little preaching that is pointing to Jesus Christ and His part in salvation. Feelings are treacherous. Feelings are treacherous. They come, they go. And we have little control over our feelings. We we cannot control how we feel most of the time. I I can't help but to think about Rhett when I think about I can't control how I feel. You would have to spend a great deal of time around Rhett and understand there's just some things that that go on in his mind that he just can't control. I think it was, what, Thursday that they got up and he had left his book bag or his backpack or whatever, his backpack or whatever they want to call it, he had left that at Mimi's house. And when they got ready to go to school, he just could not. There was no way. I cannot. I, I can't go to school without my backpack. I got to have my backpack. I've got to have that in order to go to school. And understanding Rhett, like if you've been spent much time around him and you understood him like I understand him, and no doubt even more so what his parents understand him, they knew that even if they forced him to go to school, he would there would be no there would there there would be nothing that would be attained by him being at school. Because his whole mindset of that day, that whole day of school was ruined because he didn't have his backpack with him. So he was taken to Mimi's house and stayed at Mimi's house instead of going to school Thursday. Why? I'm what I'm saying is we can't control our feelings most of the time. We 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 don't we, we try to bring them into subjection. We try to change them. We try to do some things with them. But there are things with feelings that you and I can't control. I cannot control that I get up in the morning and I feel saved or don't feel saved. I don't control that. That is the reason, Brother Charles, I'm glad that I don't have to rest in my feelings. They are treacherous. We wake up one morning, we find ourselves full of peace. We find ourselves full of joy. We find ourselves full of happiness. And all seems well. We've had a marvelous day. We've read our Bibles. We've had freedom in prayer. And all is well. So we look forward to the next day still being more wonderful than the day that we had before. But yet we wake up the next morning and strangely enough, 
We find that when we wake up, that life is dull and it's drab and I don't feel happy and I don't feel uh, all these things and it's difficult to read my Bible and it's hard to pray and I don't have that freedom in prayer. And those things happen in our lives and we'd have to attest to one another that those things happen more often than they do not happen. That's the reason that we do not rest or confide in the way we feel. If you're going to base your whole position upon an experience and your feelings, you're going to be an unhappy Christian. You're not going to have joy. You're not going to have peace. You find joy and peace by resting in the God of salvation. You find peace by resting in His work in salvation. You find peace in resting in what He has completed, not what you feel like you have to do. And let me remind you, I said what you feel like you have to do. There is nothing that you do in salvation and there is nothing that you do in your sanctification that changes your standing before God. Your standing before God is resting solely in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this scripture, he said he'd finish the work. He finished the work that God had sent him to do. And what was that work? That work was completing all righteousness. So if I'm resting in Christ and He has completed all righteousness, then my standing before God is secure because I'm in Christ. I'm not standing before God as myself. If I stood before God as myself, the Bible tells tells us that His eyes are a consuming fire. If I stood before God within myself, Brother Charles, I'd I'd go up in smoke very quickly. But I don't stand before God in myself. I stand before God in Christ. And because I stand before God in Christ, therefore I can rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. The answer to this is the marvelous plan of salvation. When we consider what we have seen thus far, as we began to look at John chapter number 17. And I, let me remind you once again that this prayer that we're looking at is the security of the believer. The Lord Jesus Christ is praying the things that He's praying in order that we have security in Him. He's praying for us. He's praying on our behalf. Understand as we've looked at this, we saw first of all, the great object and intent of the plan of God. And what was that? The, 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 the intent of the plan of salvation was one purpose, and that was the glory of God. Amen. As we were talking, Brother Charles as we was talking yesterday standing over here, our salvation does not It's not about us. It's about God's glory. It's about Him receiving glory. Not only have we seen the who originates salvation, and that is the Father. He planned and purposed it and set it into operation in the eternal council that we looked at two weeks ago. But understand as we look at that, we have seen not only that, but we have seen the work divided. The Son was sent and commission was given to Him and He accomplished, as He said in this Scripture, He accomplished everything the Father sent Him to do. In John chapter 17, we find the phrase in verse number 1, we find the phrase, These words spake Jesus. These words spake Jesus. What words? The words that preceded John chapter number 17. These words, the phrase these words refers to 
John chapter number 14, 15, and 16. Why? And that's the reason when we gave the introduction to this study, we looked at and we went back and started in John chapter number 13 and kind of walked up to John chapter number 17. Why? Because what Jesus is praying, these words spake Jesus. These words spake Jesus. What words? He spoke those words to his disciples. Why did he speak those words to his disciples? He told them he was about to go away. And they were discouraged because they knew that he was leaving. They didn't understand that he was leaving. He left them. You go back into John chapter number 14 and you start looking up to John chapter number 17. You're going to find some great promises that the Lord Jesus Christ gave. Why did he give those? He gave those because he is getting ready to depart. He's getting ready to leave. And because of that, he begins to give them those promises like in John chapter number 14 and verse number 27 when he says, Peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We have the peace of God. I don't have to wake up in the morning and rest in my peace. I don't have to wake up in the morning and rest in my feelings. I wake up in the morning and I rest solely in the peace of God. And there's no one that has peace like God has. Jesus said, told His disciples, He said, peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He gave them His peace. And He gave us His peace also. Jesus began to tell them, He found that the disciples were discouraged because of what he was telling them, that his hour is about to come. And in fact, we find in John chapter number 17, it said, and he lifted up his eyes into heaven and said, Father, what? My hour is come. It's the hour he's about to leave. But he doesn't leave them comfortless. He gives them the promise. And He gives not only His disciples, but He gives us the promise of a comforter. He said He would pray that the Lord would send another comforter. And that word another means the same. He was sending the same comforter. What? The Holy Spirit of God. To rest upon us and in us. Dwell in us. Everywhere I go, everything I do, the Holy Spirit of God is with me and with you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit spoke together and planned the salvation of man. So we've seen that God planned it and it is for the purpose of his glory we see that jesus christ came he did what the father told him to do and in doing what the father told him to do what did he do he glorified the father what is the holy spirit's job and i don't want to get too far ahead of myself this morning But the sole work of the Holy Spirit of God is to glorify Christ. And He does that in and through us as the believers. What a privilege to be a part of that. What a privilege to have that working in your life, to have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you, to have the Holy Spirit of God in you and and glorifying Christ through you. May I remind you, you and I could not glorify Christ in ourselves, but the Holy Spirit of God working in us can glorify Christ. 
Here in the Scriptures, we're told another wonderful thing or this wonderful thing. After Christ went back to heaven, He's seated on the right hand of the Father. And as He's seated on the right hand of the Father, He sends the Holy Spirit of God as a gift to the church. He sends the Holy Spirit of God. And get a hold of this. The Holy Spirit of God is sent for us as believers for what? As a seal of our salvation. He is sent to us as the earnest of our salvation. (laughs) You and I have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. Which is the down pavement of the... What we're we're going to see and what is to come. And I I don't want to belittle that part of saying He's just the down payment. The Holy Spirit of God working in us is what is to come. He will be working in us throughout eternity. What a blessing. Therefore, The final glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ is the coming of the Spirit. That's the reason that it's important for us to see in verse number 1, these words spake Jesus. He told them in chapter 14, 15, and 16, He told them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. The coming of the Holy Ghost. Here's the problem. Man always, when he puts his hands on things, man always messes everything up. The problem is, the work and office of the Holy Spirit of God. God the Father planned salvation. God the Father in grace came to us in salvation, displayed grace to us. The Son procured salvation for us on the cross of Calvary. He paid for our sins. He underwent the wrath of God. He appeased the wrath of God, appeased the righteousness of God. And therefore, you and I can have salvation in Christ. And therefore, that glorifies God. The Holy Spirit is sent to glorify Christ. But what we have most of the time in most churches, is we have a praising of the Holy Spirit versus a glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is all pointing back to God. What did did Christ tell... In His prayer, He he made this statement in verse number uh, 3... He said this, and this is life eternal that they may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest to me me to do. In verse number 5, and now, O Father, glorify glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had before the the world was. The glory of the Father is through the Son by the Holy Spirit of God. It all ends up glorifying God. Glorifying that great Trinity which purposed and brought about salvation for you and I as the children of God. The Holy Spirit does not, and we're told this in Scripture, He does not speak of Himself Nor does He glorify Himself. He only glorifies Christ. So if there are things around us that we see that is supposedly glorifying the Holy Spirit of God, it is not of God because it's not glorifying Christ which in turn brings glory to God. It is the working of the Holy Spirit of God to testify of Christ, to speak of Christ. What did, what did He tell us? Jesus Christ said that the Holy Spirit of God would speak of Him. 
and would he would speak. He said the Holy Spirit of God would speak of him and would lead us into all truths. So if what someone is telling you or what someone is leading you in is not the Holy Spirit of God leading us in the truths of Christ, then they're teaching us wrong. It is not a great working of the Holy Spirit of God to bring glory to the Holy Spirit. It is a great working of the Holy Spirit of God to bring glory to Christ, which in turn shares glory with the Father. The glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all shared together. If we claim to have received the Holy Spirit in His fullness then the biggest test to us having received the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God, the biggest test is whether or not we are glorifying Christ. Everyone that would tell you this is a great move of the Holy Spirit of God, the question is, does it glorify Christ? Let me put it this way. Everyone would tell you and, and, and say, and in fact, I've, I, I'm going to try to be generic here. And I say try to be. There are those that would tell you that this great campaign that they're having is, is working great miracles and, and they're having this number of people saved and that number of people saved and, and, and over a period of however many weeks they're having, having a thousands of people that are being saved over the weeks and that glory is being given to that movement and that glory is being given to that preacher, that is not a move of God. Because a move of God glorifies Christ. It will not bring... (laughs) I am doing my best to be generic. But it will not bring you to a glorified dance on a stage in front of people. It will glorify Christ. The salvation of His own will glorify Christ. True preaching of the Scriptures will glorify Christ. An emotional movement will make people feel things. And I told you in the very start, it's not about our feelings. It's not about us. It's not about... Can I just be honest with you? It's not about a work in me. It's about a work He did on Calvary. It's about a work He did to finish our salvation. All glory is to Christ. It is not the glory of a movement. It is not the glory of a service. It is not, it is not me going home and saying the God really met with us today. Right. Oh, really? I thought He's with us all the time. That's what He said. He'd never leave us nor forsake us. He's here. He is where we are because we are His and we're in Him. What I'm saying this morning, it is, we, we've missed this thing. We've got to where we've looked at the outside. We've looked at pointing this. We've looked at pointing that. And we've not looked at the fact of whether or not brought glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. In light of this, I want to give you four things quickly this morning. And there's so many other things in my notes this morning that I wanted to say, but I'm going to... I'm. <laughs> I don't know that I can say them and be generic, but I'm going I'm to give you these things. Four things I want you to consider in light of this about the Holy Spirit of God. 
In light of this, we're going to look at these four things. Asking ourselves this question. How then does the Holy Spirit of God glorify Christ? If we've made it a point to say that the working of the Holy Spirit of God is to glorify Christ, how does the Holy Spirit of God glorify Christ? Number one, He does so first of all by revealing the Lord Jesus Christ and His person. He reveals the Lord Jesus Christ and His person. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 13 says this, No man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. That's what Paul said. Paul said no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. There are many evil men in this modern world that do not believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. They say that He was only a man. They say that He was a good teacher. They even praise Him and say He was one of the greatest of men. But they do not recognize His deity. That can only be revealed to a person's heart through the working of the Holy Ghost. A man does not come to that realization on his own. Man does not retain God in his knowledge. Man, man is, is alienated from God. Man is a distance from God. It is the working of the Holy Spirit of God that allows a man in the first place to understand who Jesus is. Ask, ask people on a daily basis, ask them who Christ is. There was a gentleman that I know that uh, is a, is actually, his, his mother is a, a full-blooded Jew. He, she married uh, a Gentile, I guess, but he's half Jew. And I sat down and talked with him one day. And he believes that Jesus was a good teacher. That Jesus was a good man. That Jesus was a good example. But he does not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He does not even believe that Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh. There are entire sects of religions in this world that do not believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate in the flesh. They don't believe that. If you, Some of them used to come knocking on your door. And one of the things that I found that would send them running quicker than anything else is to ask the question, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate in the flesh. Amen. They didn't believe that. They even believed, they even went so far as to believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers. What are you saying? I'm saying that it is only the Holy Spirit of God. It is the working of the Holy Spirit of God that reveals to a man's heart, that reveals to a woman's heart, that reveals to a boy and girl's heart that Jesus Christ is God incarnate in the flesh. You don't pick up on that on your own. God reveals that to you. You can be told that from, from the Bible. You can have somebody stand in front of you and tell you that. But you do not believe that until it is revealed to you by the Holy Spirit of God. Not only does the Holy Spirit of God reveal the person of Jesus Christ, but He also reveals the Word of Jesus Christ. The preaching of Christ says Paul, is a stumbling block to the Jews and a foolishness to the Greeks. Is that not what Paul told us? He's a stumbling block to the Jews and a foolishness to the Greeks. 
We must consider some simple and plain questions in light of that. Have you understood this matter? Are you clear on the work of Christ? Do you see and know that Jesus Christ has taken your sins upon Himself and He has died for them on the cross that it is real to you? Does that make sense to you? Are, are you stumbling at the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins? It, when, when we're talking to people and we're dealing with people, we are to ask the question, is that, do you understand that Jesus Christ died for your sins? Do you understand He died on the cross for your sins? When we come to that realization, that is brought to us by the Holy Spirit. That's not something we developed in ourselves. If you're having difficulty in this thought, it is because you have not been enlightened by the Holy Spirit of God. It is God, the Holy Spirit, that enlightens us and reveals that to us. He reveals that to us not only... Does the Holy Spirit of God reveal the person and work of Christ, but He reveals the teaching of Christ? Our Lord said to His disciples before He left them, I have many things to say to you, but I cannot say them because you cannot bear them. But He promised them that the Holy Spirit would reveal those things to them. As we look through Scripture and as we look through the life of the disciples, are there not things that we see in the life of the disciples that they did not understand, they did not grasp, they did not get a hold of until the Holy Spirit of God came on the scene? And the Holy Spirit of God taught them those things. And the Holy Spirit of God. You and I, can I just tell you this? You and I would not have any of the knowledge that you and I have of Christ today if it were not for the Holy Spirit of God revealing that to us. That is the reason that the, the Bible makes the statement, you have, you have no need that man should teach you. The Holy Spirit of God will lead you and guide you in all truths. That doesn't mean that you ought to be a, an ogre somewhere, back in a, a hermit somewhere, and, and getting back somewhere and not listening to the teaching. The Holy Spirit of God can use those teachers to teach you the truths of God, but you don't have to have them, and you could not gain those truths if it was not for the Holy Spirit of God revealing them to you. Yes. does not matter how much I say in front of you does not matter how much you say in front of me. If it were not for the Holy Spirit of God, we would not know what we know about Christ. It is the Holy Spirit of God that reveals that to us. The first work of the Holy Spirit of God, the first work in our life of the Holy Spirit of God is that He convict us of sin. Because if He does not convict us of sin, we don't even see our need for a Savior. He is to convict us of sin. The Holy Spirit of God gives us assurance and acceptance and of forgiveness. He is the seal that is given to us by God. He testifies with our spirit that we are God. It is the Holy Spirit of God that gives us the assurance that we belong to God. I can, I can talk till I'm blue in the face. If it is not the work of the Holy Spirit of God, that person that you may be talking to about the assurance of salvation is not going to have that assurance until the Holy Spirit of God gives them that assurance. Not only do we see those things, but fourthly this morning, the Holy Spirit enables us. He enables us by giving us the power of the Holy Spirit of God to do the things that God bids us to do. 
in order for us to be a witness of the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must have the working of the Holy Spirit of God in us to be able to reveal that or be able to present that to others. Understand that Jesus Christ chose ignorant men that were fishermen. They weren't the elite. They weren't the train. He took them aside and even then the working of the Holy Spirit of God revealed who He was. How many people that were walking in the same day that the disciples were walking? How many people saw Jesus and did not recognize Him for who He was? Was it not the two men on the road to Emmaus? who had no doubt heard about Christ. They had so much heard about him that they went to his crucifixion. They were there when when all of these things were happening, all of these things were going on, and they're walking on their way back home after after all that's going on, they're walking on their way back home, and who shows up beside of them? But Christ. And what does he do? He walks them through the scriptures and reveals himself to them. And in in Luke chapter number 24, I think it is, what does the Bible say? Their eyes were opened. They saw him for who he was. It It is the working of the Holy Spirit of God that allows us to see who Christ is. It is the working of the Holy Spirit of God that enables us to present Christ to others. There's only one answer for what happened at Pentecost. You remember what happened at Pentecost? They preached and over 3,000 were saved. Can I just remind you this morning that it was not the great enthusiasm of the preacher. It was not the great orator of those that were speaking. Where did the miracle of that day happen? It happened in their hearing. They heard. The Bible said every man heard in his own language. It was not the person that was speaking, but it was the Holy Spirit of God revealing through the hearing that they heard what was said and received the Lord Jesus Christ. So understand it is the working of the Spirit of God that enables us. If it was not for the work of the Holy Spirit of God, we would be sitting where we're sitting in vain. There would be no purpose. There would be no cause. It is the working of the Holy Spirit of God that works in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. It is the working of the Holy Spirit of God that reveals to them, you and I preach the truths. You and I present the truths that we know in the Word of God. We present it to those that are are around us. But it is the working of the Holy Spirit of God that reveals those truths. As I've said, you could say it all day long, but if God does not reveal it, it's not going to happen. In conclusion this morning, you and I have the privilege of being men and women in this life and in our daily work and vocation that can glorify Jesus Christ. But we only can do that through the working of the Holy Spirit of God in us. And the working of the Holy Spirit of God in us is not going to lift us up. Is not going to glorify us. The working of the Holy Spirit of God is going to glorify Christ. Because that is the office and the work of the Holy Spirit of God. So when you and I are witnessing to someone, we're telling them something, 
You and I are to be obedient to what God tells us to do. We're to, we're to go out. We're to live this life that God has given us. We're to live it before others and give that witness of Christ when we have the opportunity and walk away understanding it is the Holy Spirit of God yes. that will do the work. Yes. And because of that, I carry no weight away because it's not my job. I am, I am a mouthpiece for God to use, but it is not my job to convince anyone of anything. It is my job to present truth and the Holy Spirit of God will reveal that truth as it is presented. God grant us that we be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that we may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable unto His death, that we might know that He has done for us and in us a work that only He can do. Paul says it this way about himself. He said, the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He also said, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. May that shine forth in my life and in your life that others may see that Christ lives in us. And that isn't, that isn't us putting some kind of standard here or standard there or, or putting this here or putting that there. That is our everyday, ordinary walk with God that allows people to see that Christ dwells in us. And when they see Him, they glorify Him and not we ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be in the house of God.